so we are in this rooted series. I think you've gotten it by now. Um, but it makes me think about a soul hour conversation we had last fall. And if you don't know what soul hour is, it's our version of Sunday school minus the triggers. Um, and we have it in the morning outside, uh, right out here, but we've taken a hiatus for the summer. I don't think I have to explain why. Um, but last fall, during Soul Hour, we had a conversation around All Saints Day. Um, it was around All Saints Day and Dia de los Muertos, so we had a Soul Hour conversation on ancestral connection. And I asked everyone to, if, to come and bring an item. There's probably like a dozen people there. Bring an item, a photo, or anything that symbolized their relationship with an ancestor. And the result was pretty incredible. I think anyone who remembers it will remember it as a meaningful time. The activity that was meant to be an icebreaker at the beginning of my pre-planned discussion um, ended up taking up the entire hour, <laughs> filling our space with lessons and stories and ancestral wisdom. In fact, we never got to the information I prepared. Um, maybe we can, maybe I'll just use that for another soul hour. Um, but it was so clear to me in that moment that we need this kind of space. We need ancestral connection. We want to reflect on and talk about those who came before us. We hunger for opportunities to share the memories and the stories that have shaped us. And we crave the wisdom that, surface, that surfaces when we make space for this. So my grandma, who died in 2017, is a vivid example of this. She was so feisty and so funny, and her words are so memorable that my sister and I keep a shared Google Doc of our favorite quotes. <laughs> the one that still rings true, um, or rings out the most for me, sorry in advance, but she said it, not me, um, is shit happens and then you die. And I was just telling them out there, I would be like, Grandma, just take your pills with water. Like, <laughs> and she'd throw back her Corona or her Mezcal with her pills, and, and she would be like, shit happens, then you die. Might as well take this pill with whatever I want to drink it. You know, whatever. She, that's how she was. And I write about this in my, in my book in the acknowledgement section. Um, I wrote, my grandma used to love to tell us, shit happens and then you die. She always referred to her belongings as junk. She insisted on not having photos of her husband because he's dead, she would say. It was as if in her own harsh way, she was more interested in living solely in the present. It wasn't just preference, it was survival. And so when I think about Rooted and the stories that shape me, I think of my grandma and how so much of her wisdom came from the gritty reality of her life experiences. Um, they weren't really intended to be sophisticated. I'm not even sure they were always helpful in the present moment. <laughs> and I'm sure she had no idea we would make use of them as often as we do now. But six years after her death, these raw bits of wisdom have become our family's most treasured stories. Shit happens and then you die. And you know what? Sometimes it's just true. It's just real talk, a much appreciated repeat from all the force-fed platitudes or inauthentic gratitude. Sometimes for me, it feels like the most fitting path to surrender, the best embrace of mystery I can muster. 
And I've been thinking about this a lot this year because 2023 has been a pretty tough one for me so far, whether it's been major changes or family crisis or my own physical or mental health issues. It's just been one of those years that I know I'm going to roll my eyes at later. <laughs> there have been countless moments this year in which I've just found myself stumped by life. And all I can do is shrug my shoulders, echo those sacred words of my grandmother, and carry on. That said, as a paradox person capable of holding multiple truths at once, I'm also able to acknowledge that this year hasn't been all bad. I've made memories, I've counted my blessings of an incredible support system, you included, and I've even learned a few things about prioritizing and taking care of myself. What's more, 2023 has strengthened my spiritual muscles as I find myself sitting with hard stuff a bit more than usual, which has caused me to lean into divine comfort. All of this has helped me realize just how much I have spent my time and energy, really my life, trying my hardest to prevent or avoid trauma, pain, hardship, and loss through the illusion of control, structure, and even joy. Many of you who know me well know that I am a practitioner of joy. <laughs> While some people have struggled to embrace joy, it has been my superpower and I have clinged to it throughout my life. It has been a life preserver getting me through some things. The downside of this is that I have struggled to embrace feelings just as valuable and needed. I've tamped down rage. I've silenced sadness. I've sprinted from suffering like my life depended on it. Now, I like to think that I'm healthy and aware enough to mostly feel my feelings, but I'm human and autopilot gets turned on, especially in crisis. And if I had to pick an autopilot, I'm not mad that mine is joy, <laughs> but still it happens. I forget to make room for grief or lament, to lean in all the way. And sometimes I don't forget, I just plain run. But this year has reminded me that chaos and conflict, stressors and tragedies are simply a part of life. They're woven into our moments of happiness and joy so much that we can't ever truly separate them. And I, just like all of us, will experience the gamut of it. Nothing will prevent me from losing loved ones. Physical and mental unwellness will greet me and those I love from time to time. Instead of trying to avoid or control everything, I want to be a person who knows joy, not as an alternative to hardships, but in spite of them. I want to know how to live well in this world. I want to integrate the ambition and grit and resilience my ancestors passed down to me with the lightheartedness, playfulness, and hopeful optimism of my nature. I want to make use of all the gifts. I don't want to waste my precious time or energy trying to avoid the fact that pain and suffering inevitably exist. I want to lean into that Buddhist wisdom that acknowledges life is suffering. And yet we can cope with this constant current of change by living fully in the present moment. And so I think of my grandma's words, shit happens and then you die. It was as if in her own harsh way, she was more interested in living solely in the present. It wasn't just preference, it was survival. 
There's a book by Kat Armas called Abuelita Faith. Anyone heard of it? In it, she wonders, what if the world's greatest theologians are those whom the world wouldn't consider theologians at all? She describes Abuelita theology as the practice of uncovering and naming our abuelas who have inspired, taught, and guided us in our process of becoming and belonging. This is any woman, for her uh, definition, overlooked, unheard, unappreciated, whether biologically related or not. Um, women of the faith in scripture and beyond is what she looks at in her book. So she's helping us integrate our faiths with the wisdom of our ancestors. I think of this integration as something, not something we should fear, but something blessed by God. I see it in today's reading with the imagery of the angels moving back and forth between heaven and earth. I recognize it in their movement in this steady, often unseen, but ever existing flow. And it makes me wonder why aren't we connecting with this wisdom? this mode of divine provision? What are we not seeing clearly in our own lives by neglecting the stories that have shaped us? What are we missing by not integrating those reflections of where we came from and who we are um, into our spiritual practices? Opening myself up to the awareness and importance of this ancestral connection and wisdom has been like waking up. So in our text today, uh, Jacob woke up. And when he woke up, he realized he was standing on holy ground. Jacob, for context, who had just left his family behind, what was known to him, familiar to him, toward family that he didn't know in order to create a family, find a wife, just got to read the whole chapter, sorry, or the whole, I don't know, passage, verse, book, whatever. Jacob was in this liminal space in today's snippet, this vulnerable season of having left something behind in order to move something uh, towards something ahead. And in this place, God shows up. Not after Jacob arrives, not once Jacob has all his ducks in a row, not when everything is figured out and settled. God shows up in the very midst of chaos and upheaval, which is to say, God showed up in an incredibly ordinary moment. The same is true for us. God shows up not after or before, but amid our chaos. And divine movement is always happening right in the midst of our flows of life. Upheaval, movement, change, suffering, it's all normal. It's all a part of life. God is always with us, connecting us to every spiritual resource we could need, including the wisdom, support, and love of those who have gone before us. In Jacob's dream, he was shown the flow. He was shown the, the movement of wisdom between heaven and earth. God normalized it, particularly by the order of movement. If you look at the text, they were ascending and descending. The angels are described as ascending and then descending, meaning they were already here. The wisdom was already here, flowing back and forth. 
Jacob saw all of this in his dream, and he woke up with provision for his journey, a new awareness and clarity of connection. I wonder if this movement could be normal for us too. What if God also wants us to access this awareness as an antidote to all the constant upheaval, a spiritual resource available to us on our journeys, both now in the familiar present moment and in our unknown futures? What if moving in this awareness is the beginning of wisdom? I saw it. I witnessed it back on that October day at Soul Hour, the angels among us coming and going. We were scratching the surface together, and it woke something up within us for that small time. Spirit was stirring, but I think there's more. How do we access this resource? Jacob found it in literal sleep. He accessed the flow in a place of restful listening. I often wonder what our lives would be like if each of us simply got more sleep. I think our bodies need the rest, but today's reading reminds me that our minds and our hearts and our spirits need it too. So I don't have a complete blueprint for us, but perhaps step one is carving out restful space that will provide us with opportunities to pay attention and with the nudges that we need to create fertile places and postures in our lives. Nobody can answer that for you. We don't, we don't know you like that. <laughs> but speaking of posture, God takes quite the paradox posture in today's text. God tells Jacob that he is both going somewhere and he will return. He's going somewhere, and he is returning. God speaks blessing over Jacob's future, and in the same breath tells Jacob he will return. And this juxtaposition made me ponder, a return to what? To where he came from? To his foundation, to his roots, to the wisdom he received in that very moment? Perhaps we could find our own place within this juxtaposition, so that we move forward in our daily lives, aging, learning, growing, evolving, and we are also constantly returning to our spiritual foundation, to our roots, to our grounding. We're constantly returning daily and gathering wisdom needed to face each day with strength and resilience and joy. We are constantly returning, surrendering to that flow, returning to that spiritual nourishment that can sustain us so that as healed people, we can know what it means to do more than survive. I think about my most favorite ancestor, my grandma. I reflect on her fiery tenacity and drive to exist in this world, her particular brand of surrender. I observe the way she passed this down to us, and something within me expands. My clarity grows sharper, and I realize that like Jacob, I'm standing on holy ground. When Jacob came into full awareness, he realized he was on holy ground, and he had to mark that moment. He marked it through ritual by building an altar space. He marked it through acknowledgement, and then he integrated that awareness into his life from then on. The ritual marked both a change in posture 
and a return to what was always already true, wisdom flowing between earth and heaven. I think of my ancestors, your ancestors, the endless saints and unacknowledged theologians who have shaped us. I imagine them coming and going on this ladder between heaven and earth. Their stories and insights and wisdom continue to be available to us. They nurture us, and if we are willing to keep sharing the stories, they will do the same for future generations. For many of us, this kind of connection has been frowned upon in uh, former faith contexts and paradigms, and yet I think God is saying here, there is nothing to fear. Even Jacob, if you look at the text, he was initially afraid of this spiritual realm, but God wanted him to see the connection between heaven and earth. God revealed the moment precisely because there's nothing to fear, and I hope we can remember that too. There's this active divine involvement constantly moving back and forth between heaven and earth, especially in the ordinary places, the places we didn't even realize were holy in our ordinary lives. What will we do with this information? How can it root us, grounding us in comfort and peace and confidence in these chaotic times, in this world where we will inevitably experience pain and suffering? So often when my grandma spoke her nuggets of wisdom, she was speaking straight from trauma, unable to imagine a better reality. And yet from a well of deep wisdom and lived experience, her words were handed to me, me who is more healed because my dad was a little bit more healed and hopefully my daughter will know healing and reality more full than mine. But from this healing, I see her wisdom in a fullness that maybe she didn't. Shit happens and then we die. I understand, I think. It happens so we might as well enjoy. It happens so we might as well not sweat it. It happens and sometimes all we can do is let it. It happens and we all see the same ending. From dust we came to dust we will return. What kind of dust are we talking here? Like dust dust or stardust? I don't know what the future holds, but I do know we have what we need right here right now, rooted in this moment to equip us what's to come. Amen.